You're telling me you didn't get fleeting rain of the blemished body? <laughs> what does that one? I was like, break it down. What's the opposite of fleeting? Eternal. I know, but like, that's not a salt and pepper, is it? <laughs> People are going to hate this. James, we normally have a bit of fun catch-up when we see each other at the beginning of every episode, but you and I uh, actually had some fun together recently mm. because we both went to see uh, the European premiere we did. of Amsterdam. We were invited to this uh, premiere in Leicester Square, which was also attended by Margot Robbie and Christian Bale and Rami Malek. Um, and it was incredibly fun and exciting. Andrew Riseborough, of course, and it was incredibly fun and exciting, fun. wasn't it? Not a red carpet. It was a green carpet. Yes. It was it was a red carpet event that had a green carpet because it matched in with the colour scheme of the poster. Not the film, really. No, there's nothing green in the film. It had like this yellowy green spiral outpour, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that and then we got there and we were like, oh. We saw the colour of the carpet and we're like, oh, it's not quite as valuable look as good on social media. Um, um, yeah, yeah you, let's, let's take a step back. We, we did this thing, go on. Yeah, it was really fun. If you follow us on Instagram, at Pop Kitchen Podcast, you can see a video of where we were there. I'll probably roll it on B-roll here for you to have a look at. But yeah, we uh, we went, we got our shiny shoes on and we turned up and um, there was definitely like two types of people on the red carpet. There was like PR invited people and then yeah. there was like the actual stars yeah, the who actual got talent. photographed. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was cool. It was busy. We saw some, like, I saw some Love Island people. Yeah. Uh, L Fanning was there. Yes, L Fanning was there, but not, a lot of people were clearly like celebrities who had been invited to go along. So yeah. people, they would turn up and have a photo taken. So like Denise Van Alten was there, yeah. do you remember? But then L Fanning didn't get her photo taken. She just like turned up, but I, almost as if she was like dating someone there or something like yeah. that, right? And um, we just sort of stared at her, really. Oh, like, we that's Elle Fanning. And just watched there her goes Elle Fanning. Um, but no, it's fun. It's fun to see, like, the mechanics of the industry. I think one of our main takeaways from it was, like, could you act... Because we were, like, walking on the green carpet, not yeah. that anyone looked at us, but, like, could you imagine what it would be like to actually have be so famous and have that part of your job be written into your marketing contract? You've yeah. got to stand here and, like, be just completely mm. photographed and stared at yeah. and everyone's grabbing for your attention, how overwhelming that would be. Literally shouting you, going, hey, over Margo, here, Margo, yeah, yeah, Margo, 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 this, yeah. do this, that. Like, everyone stares at you. And then you stand still and your hairstylist come over, comes over and just tweaks your hair. Yeah, and, and you've got to stand by, like, this big backdrop and there's like 20 photographers there yeah. clicking snapping flashing and it's almost is like this the first premiere you've ever been to i think so yeah where where i've like been on the red carpet yeah 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 yeah. To. yeah 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 it is it's, it is it's cool. which is cool i liked it i was um because we did the top guy i can go but oh, we did yeah, top yeah, Gun so we talked we, about that in that episode because we but. were we were having a conversation the night before because i obviously because i went to the top gun one you did the two yes. of us and i was like well that was a raw gala that was a black tie affair yeah so i'm used to turning up very smart and this was like no smart casual and i'm like okay yeah how does that work with the vibe i feel like it was um, fine this was my second premiere maverick was my first proper premiere to be invited to but i did no. used to work them so i, I knew the drill knew fine. the drill so we, the, the amsterdam one i was like radio. i know the drill here and i was pointing out to you there's a guy a security yes. guy who does all of the Leicester Square premieres. And he's yeah. just big. And I'm like, yep, he's he's the head honcho. You don't mess with him. You know, he's the guy who'll say, where's your badge? Yeah. So um, there's a moment where like the, the people on, all the sort of security personnel on the red carpet are very much like trying to move irrelevant people like us on and yes. get us in. So we sort of, 
you know, very quickly got ushered through into the foyer and then like basically to our seats. We were to, we were at our seats very early and in the screening, they had on the screen what was happening on the green yeah. carpet outside. And like, we were just watching these interviews where Edith Bowman is like interviewing the director yeah. and the stars and this. And we just couldn't help but comment on how these interviews, uh, not, I don't think this is a fault to Edith Bowman, but like no, no, not at all. everyone just chats a load of absolute waffle. They just say words. And you and I were just pitching, like, uh, sorry, skitting, doing things like, so George, what do you think? And you were like, well, you know, what yeah, I really yeah. think so this is, is so, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll do it. This is how, it look, look, again, no disrespect to Edith Bowman. It's goes. almost like they're filling airtime while on the red carpet. So you're not just watching people walk. Yeah. It's like to have people talking about the film as they go over. But like, yeah. let's say I'm the star and you're, you're Edith yeah. Bowman. So uh, George, what was it like? to actually be in this film oh well you know the thing is about being in this film and it's such a big film and there are there are other people in this film yeah. as well is that like you know i was given the script and you actually get to be in it yeah and i got to be in it and i, and I looked at the script tonight and i learned the script and you read it too uh, yeah and you know to be on set and to be in the scenes and they hit action that's amazing and he would say cut and it's amazing you get to actually work like that for this one. Yeah, yeah. And I worked so with the director and the other actors as well. <laughs> oh, that's amazing to actually work with the yeah, actors for several, in this film. For many days, <laughs> even, even weeks. And um, we're just watching this. I'm like, no one's yeah. saying anything. Yeah. They're just saying a load of fluff. So we're laughing, laughing, laughing. And they're just, they're just saying they're meaningless just nothing. A just load words. of nothing. And like, I, I don't even know what they're meant to say at that point, but you and I were just laughing it, at them all yeah. just saying nothing. There are things that they're, they're, it's neither a statement nor uh, anything offensive. No. There is nothing you can do with those words except hear them. It, it's, 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 it's just enough to do the job, but so little that no one could ever pick up on something you said and write yeah. an article that either endorses the film massively yes. or like really is against it. It's so um, wonderfully neutral. And again, not a disrespect to the, to the stars <laughs> who are being asked this because no. they are part, it's like in a way a very, very fancy assault course for them it's like yes gonna, and go you got to enter you can get your photo get taken photo seven, here and then you're gonna walk down the red cover you're gonna get interviewed here and then you get taken down there and then, but then, and then you, get, photo you, you have an interview at the top yeah. and then you come in and then there's a there's a place to get your photo taken inside yep. and it's like and then through the rapids up onto the you're stage you're just this marketing front and you're just like look we need a load of pictures to for the press on getty images to say people were here you yes. were here the film is big glitz and glam hollywood blah 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 but i can see why even they could be on the red carpet or that area for 20 minutes yeah. and it'd be exhausting. Oh. But I also understand now why people, when you look at someone like Tom Cruise, who at the Maverick premiere stayed out there going along the red carpet, along the fans for like two hours. Really? Did yeah, two yeah. hours? And he's famous for doing that. He will give his time and you're like, that. that is work. That's part of the job. That, part of his staying power So when, as when well. people do, you know, actors and say, oh, it's a lot of work and doing this and people have this idea that you're just a fluffy actor going on stage yeah. or screen and and it's very easy if you live in this high life. It's like, no, that's not the whole job. The job is the press, it's the PR. Yeah. It's sitting in a hotel room, getting asked the same questions by different media outlets hours. and um, acting as though they are fresh and spontaneous each time. And as much as I can be like, God, what, what, a, what a horrible thing to be like that famous. It is the price to pay for a, an eight figure paycheck to do films. Well, right. That's what it's more like. And fame well, and prestige. I, I mean, saying that it's the price to pay. I think it's more like <clears throat> if your salary is that much, your job will involve uncomfortable and it may be boring, tedious things. Yeah. Like that. You need to go through that. And acting yeah. in films is like, a, what, what a privilege that is yeah. to call out your job, right? Yeah. To be like revered by many, millions of people around the world. There's always a catch. There's always a trade-off. Yeah. So, um yeah, it was a very interesting experience. We had yeah. fun. And then we went and watched the film, which we will review for you in, We're gonna in, get in a second. Um, but... Oh, they, sorry. They, they, David O. Russell came out on, on the stage before we watched the film 
And they all got like, like Rami Malek got brought on, Margot Robbie, yep. Christian Bale, and they literally just waved. Yep. And then David Russell said a bunch of similar waffle about how the film's really good. It's like, yeah. okay, and, and enjoy the movie. And, and then, then they all it. walked off. They were probably on stage for 30, 40 seconds. They're, they're... Anyway, that was the premiere. Uh, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed going. And uh, stay tuned for our thoughts on Amsterdam. So let's talk about Amsterdam, mm -hmm. the new film that we went to the premiere to see, right? So to clarify for people, to give it some context, Amsterdam is the new film from David O. Russell, who is a director who's been around for a good few decades and is most recently known for doing um, sort of Oscar, always having a film come out in Oscar season, like The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle and Joy, but he actually hasn't made a film since Joy. That was seven years ago. So he's sort of had this quiet period, but earlier in his career, he did things like uh, Three Kings, I Heart Huckabees, um, and sort of um, more comedic indie films uh, before kind of uh, graduating in these sort of more prestigious, independent, spirited films, um, like the ones I just mentioned. David Russell is a very interesting and uh, divisive figure in the film industry and quite, and quite a volatile character, a well-known volatility there was a very uh, famous clip of him losing his temper uh, and having a rant against lily tomlin on the set of i heart huckabees there's this famous um uh, anecdote that's been corroborated that at a party in 2000 he put christopher nolan into a headlock because christopher nolan was trying to poach jude law for memento what yeah absolutely yeah um and that's amazing yeah well it's not amazing not amazing it's, it's but a like, huge dick well, it's move, but, but it's, it's amazing that, that could happen yeah um and yeah, classic like Hollywood party thing, even though God. there were pictures of them together smiling like years later. And, um, you know, there are allegations uh, about, you know, about his personal life that you can read up about. And, um, you know, on, a, on the set of American Hustle, both he and uh, Amy Adams have said that he, he was horrible to Amy Adams on set. Christian Bale had to come between him and Amy Adams. They worked together in The Fighter as well. Yeah, yeah. but on American Hustle, he just like, what somebody described as verbally abused Amy wow. Adams and, and Amy Adams has said it's an inc was incredibly hard shoe and really demoralizing and really difficult and a lot of that's kind of re bubbling up again now that he's yeah, got a film out now that he's got it? a film I think so he hasn't made a film uh, in the Me Too era of Hollywood because I think a lot of his characteristics that are factual um, that have happened do not chime very well and then in fact when people have come out when he's come out with this film people have sort of said. David Russell, really? Okay. It's a bit like when Mel, Mel Gibson came back with a film. It's like, yeah. really? Anyway, that aside, we want to talk obviously about the film itself. Amsterdam is this new period set sort of crime caper, loosely based on fact 1930s. story set in the 1930s with flashbacks to the, the, like the 1920s and 1910s. It has a, an astonishing roll call of cast. I love Huge a stacked cast. cast. And just to read it out to you, it, it's, it's amazing. So we have, ladies and gentlemen, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, they're the central three, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro, Timothy Oliphant, who's absolutely unrecognizable in it, yeah. Mike Myers, who's in it more than you think, yeah. Chris Rock, Zoe Saldana, Matthias Schoenhartz, Michael Shannon, Andrea Riseborough, Alejandro Nivola and um, Taylor Swift. Yeah, um, it's it, it, it's a Huge. it's a galaxy of I'd stars. Love to see the wage bill. I know this film cost fifty five million, and we were talking about. Oh, it, I think probably that's like, low uh, for the wage. It bill. is low. I mean, maybe every, the, the, what they kept saying on stage was, "Oh, we, we, we all just wanted. To, we read the script, and we just really wanted to be involved." Yeah. Okay, that's fine. We'll be honest, guys. When we were going into this, as as fun as the premiere was, we had a little bit of ambivalence or about how we felt because when you look at the poster and you watch the trailer, 
Uh, you as we were in Leicester yeah, Square, by we the way. Like, you 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 yeah, you're getting this sense of, I don't know what this film is trying to get you to engage in. I don't know what this film is, what tone it's kind of trying to strike. Is it kooky? Is it is it comedic? Is it dramatic? What is this film about? I, I personally have an issue with the title like Amsterdam because it's just so broad and meaningless. Yeah. It's like, Amsterdam, what about it? What of it? They really tried to shoehorn it in again at the end. Yeah. So we were a little bit unsure. We had fun. So it's David Roy Russell's new film. It's got a hell of a cast. We went to watch it. James, what do you think? It's got a great cast. Yeah. It's got great acting, great hair and makeup production, but that is literally it. Right. I really didn't find it engaging in most of the other ways. Right. I think structurally, just a big mess. Right. You, you, start, you start the film where this is in the trailer. There's a body that's been murdered and then an event happens in the first five, 10 minutes. The film then stops goes on a 25-minute flashback, yeah. right? Which was good, but I'm like, right. okay, so 25 minutes. And then you come back 35 minutes into your film, and then you start the actual like mm. plot of what happens in the movie, which just created a very disorienting experience where I never really knew what the film was about and who I should latch on to. So just to clarify the plot as well. I mean, we've yeah, just oh, sorry. sorry we no, no, but, no, but the, everything you said is, it stands true. But the plot is essentially this. It's 1933 New York. Christian Bale is the central character who plays this doctor. I mean, this sounds like a shaggy... There's something very shaggy dog story about David O. Russell's films. And this one is yeah. like... Okay, Christian Bale, Bale plays a, a World War One veteran, 1933's New York, who's a glass eye and a back brace, who makes, wiry prosthet yeah, wiry hair, who makes prosthetics for veterans. And he walks with this sort of stoop because he's injured. He he's administers got, like different experimental painkillers. Yeah, he's he? making his own medicine, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. He's got um, John David Washington, who was a veteran with him in the war. He's a lawyer. Um, they've got this dead body. There's also Margot Robbie somewhere. And like as James has said, this body turns up and uh, John David Washington and Christian Bale's character are implicated it. They need the help of Margot Robbie. There's a bit of a flashback to actual World War One era. And so begins this crime caper of running around. Whose help do we need to get? Oh, we need to run over there to get this person's help. And it sort of heads towards something that's loosely based in fact. The opening frame of this film says, a lot of this really happened, which is almost exactly what the beginning of American Hustle said. Yeah. And it's a funny way of saying based on a true story, but barely. Yeah, and it's very much in American Hustle territory. Yeah. If you, if you, this is big wigs, big costume, slightly based on a true story. You've got, you got, got limps and twitches. and But given the David O. Russell treatment, so sorry, continue. No, that was it. That's what I found really strange about it is how the structure immediately threw me off. So I spent, I think, 35, 45 minutes really kind of not knowing where to play place myself and then after that moment where you have this like 25 minute flashback of like how these characters got together which is all very well and good and i think storytelling's fine i then spent like the second half the second act of the film wandering around a bunch of different scenes not really following why that scene happened yes. or what anyone was actually like everyone talks but no one really said that much mm. and there is something very strange about david o russell dialogue yes right it's, there will be moments, lines that are very witty, yeah. and very sharp and funny, followed by dialogue that not only just doesn't land, but is almost so meaningless and empty, it doesn't go in. But, it just but, I, I, people will say stuff and I think, oh my god, I don't have no idea what they've just but said. But it's packaged in this like really premium, mm. like beautifully shot by Emmanuel Lebetsky. Oh, like you can instantly recognizable yeah. as an Emmanuel Lebetsky uh, shot film, and like, like it's so beautifully graded and the lighting's beautiful. And I'm like, oh, this this is tricking me into thinking like I should really understand what's yes. going on. Yeah. And I'm like, really, I'm almost like embarrassed, being like, I'm not following this. Yeah. But that's not my fault. I actually don't think it, no. it packages. 
package this up as a story very well. There's something quite illegible about it, the way yeah. it's it done. Yeah, and like, like I said, structurally, you, you start with like a hook and you just put it on ice for almost mm. 30 minutes. Yeah. And then you asked me to come back and I felt like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. And it, it goes on to sort of tell you a, a grand you know, statement about what it's really about. But it felt really shoehorned in mm. at the end to go, actually, no, this is our grand message about power corrupting. And this yeah. is what it leads to and where we go from here. And it all from Amsterdam. And I'm like, what is the... It was just very, very confused. Pointless. But like, at, it, along with that, Amazing acting all round. Yes. Like I cannot, I cannot fault Christian Bale and say he didn't give it his absolute all. And just like in everything he's in, yeah. it, he's so uh, magnetic to watch. And I think you know, great chemistry with Margot Robbie and mm. John David Washington, who I think, who I think was fine. You've mm. got, you've got all those actors in it, yeah. also distracting you from the fact that the plot doesn't really do that much. But yeah, well, I need to hear what you thought. Well, I, I think everything you've said is is correct, and I stand by. It. I, I might just try and speak about it a little bit more favorably, in that. So I, like you, was watching it thinking, you've got this very peculiar film. It is peculiar. You've got dialogue written in a certain way. It's shot with this Emmanuel Lebetsky sort of skew-if angle. You've got a very sort of indie sensibility. You feel like you're watching an indie film, but incredible production and prestige-looking yeah. quality of a film. Amsterdam is uh, uneven. It's baggy. It's odd. And it's peculiar. And it's a bit long. But I would, I would be lying if I didn't say that there were moments in it that i was oddly charmed by it actually yeah. so the, the the bit you're talking about the flashback that takes 25 minutes when you go back to the late war yeah i was found myself warmed to that i Same. really liked it where you get the introduction of the chemistry between michael robbie john david washington and christian bale and there's something incredibly rich rich and lovely about that they i mean in like world war one and yeah some... and there's some lovely jokes and there's some lovely lines and yes post-war uh, France moving on to Amsterdam, very romanticized and, idea of like the twenties. Yes, completely. Yeah. And and you know this time period of um, damaged people uh, post-war finding their way is it, it, kind of under seen, I think, in in sort of this kind of these kind of films. So that was that was a, a privilege to see. What it would have been like to be around a community of people where very often you would meet lots of people who had very like disfigured, yes, loss of limb, yeah. uh, disability, all sorts. Yeah. You know, but then you're right. The, the the plot. I didn't find the plot necessarily disjointed. It's more that like you'll have a, a scene for ten minutes that works, followed by a scene for 10, 15 minutes that doesn't work, followed by, and, and, and as you say, intercut with dialogue that doesn't always land and is quite disjointed. So, um, you know, the the supporting cast of all these famous people in does a lot to maintain your attention yeah. throughout. I also think it wasn't quite as distracting as I was worried it would be. I think all the supporting actors work very well in their roles. Yeah. Mike Myers, you I know, told you before we start, I bet Mike Myers is in one scene. Yeah, and he's he in, does, yeah. and he's in multiple, and, and he's a, good. And he works, absolutely. Yeah. He's doing that cartoonish Mike Myers thing, but in a way that works within this film. Yeah. Michael Shannon's his other half. It, Great right, everything. Right? Um, uh, Rami Malek, yeah, brings a certain slightly slippery edge to things. So that's, he does that to everything. He does that to everything. Oh. De Niro's in it more than I yeah. expected. yeah. yeah. I, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I think she was miscast in this because I think that character should have been 10 years older. I know what you mean. Rami Malek is 40. Anya Taylor-Joy is like 25. And is she, she only 25? Or something like that. And she's like talking about Robert De Niro as like a, a strong attract. I just, it just, that never works for me. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Riseborough is great. Um, the, 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 the bumbling detectives of uh, Matthias yeah. Schoenhartz and Alejandro Nivola, just great uh, together. Zoe Saldana doing a fantastic, um, uh, like, calm poised um uh um, 
she's a, a surgeon, I guess you'd yeah. say, right? But the central trio, absolutely. Christian Bale, always great, always committed. Margot Robbie just continues to be a completely like magnetic presence on screen. Yeah. She, in this film, she really is bringing modern kind of, um, you know, uh, sensibility and, uh, and talent mixed with old cinema glamour. I mean, yeah. obviously it's the way she looks in this, but she's got this kind of classic cinema um, actor look about her. She's just always a joy to watch and yeah. always brilliant. And John David Washington has this strong, stoic, very grounded presence, which I always really like. Yeah. But um, I, I agree that I wish there was more going on outside of it. In the last act, it heads towards this true, based on true story thing. Now, when we arrived to it, I thought, oh, this sounds quite interesting. I really wish we'd um, had a different film doing this. <laughs> yeah, because this, this sounds like be... a great plot for another film. Yes, um, I, w- I wish this was the whole plot, the whole film, and not just like this this end, end, ending bit. And I think that the idea was that these characters who are driven by the same moral code stumble into this much larger yeah. scenario. I think that's what it was trying to yeah. do, but it felt tacked on to me. Uh, do you know what? If, if I'm being completely honest, like I, here I am trying to find certain elements, and certain elements did yeah. work. I think a lot of people will find it frustrating and tedious. And this is harsh, but I don't think anyone will remember this film in two years' time. No. I think it'll be... Do many people talk about American Hustle, though, in the same way? I don't think they do. I think American Hustle... I guess it did get nominated. That got nominated, so it had a bit more of a running, but I really feel with this, that feeling we had when we looked at the poster of cool but what is, what it? is it you're giving it was, me it was the three of them christian margot and john david in their very wacky costume design just on a green and white striped but squiggly yeah. background and like that with the title which never really made that much sense in yeah. the plot of the film apart from the fact that they just used to live there yeah. never really told you about like why you should watch it apart from the fact that look at who we got in yeah, it look at all these famous people and that was all oh, taylor swift i thought was very good taylor swift in, is very good in, in a, a, brief, a brief but very good a brief, role very good and, and chris rock is great and you know i i I've, watching the film is like looking through a very tiny window at a very tiny room that's into intricately detailed and and modeled like like david russell has created this like toy set and sometimes I felt like I was looking through that little window and I was like, this is great, but I feel completely cut out from it. And then sometimes I was in that room and I was in, enjoying it and, and I, I felt connected to it, but that was few and far between, frankly. Yeah. And, and and by the last few scenes, like the climax of the film, it's just so much quick, non, it's nonsense, isn't it? A lot of it is actual <laughs> it's nonsense. nonsense. And then right at the end, it comes to its little, you know, little uh, peak. And yeah. in my mind, I went... Oh, right. Yeah, they'll do that then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's what we've done with this. I guess it is the 1930s. So I think if you are... Great acting. If you like if you like Margot Robbie and you like Christian Bale and you like all that cast and you want to see that, you want to see them play... Like, if you want to see them play dress up with the most expensive costumes yeah. and the most expensive and sets... Beautiful cinematography. Go, go and do it. Um, I, <laughs> I will say that where... Because, you know, me and George are very unimportant. Our seats were... <laughs> the furthest to the left <laughs> on row D, so the fourth row. Close so to the left. We are looking, I'm literally by the wall. And so we are looking up at this 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 screen. Literally like, oh, right. at, looking at Amsterdam from a Dutch angle. <laughs> from a Dutch angle. And a lot of the film, like Emmanuel Lebetsky wide, yeah. and a lot of it was mostly handheld and or shot like shouldering. Shot yeah. like fairly low. And a lot of it was Dutch yeah. and Christian Bale's character was like this, like, wonky, he, he yeah. wonky for the whole film. So a lot of the time, I'm watching 
a wonky person on a wonky shot mm. on a wonky screen with a chair not facing <laughs> from a wonky front, angle. From a wonky angle, and it was just all overall. I don't, I don't really want it. I, I watched a italicized version yeah. of that film, but, but I sadly think I think you'll be going through Amazon Prime in two years' time, okay. oh, and it'll be yeah. on there, and you'll go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. I got Margot. Yeah, Margot, yeah. Margot. Is that what, is that what, is Taylor Swift in that one? Yeah. Is she any good? So, yeah. I think quite good. Um, and I think in a few months' time when Babylon's out and that becomes the Margot Robbie film we're talking about. She's really going for the Oscar, Margot Robbie, Robbie, isn't she? She'll get it. I think so. She'll get it. She, 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 she deserves the Oscar. Um, so... I don't know. That's what we thought. Great to have been to the premiere, of course. Loved going to the premiere. Um, let us know if you've seen I Amsterdam. I would love to hear more opinions. Because also, just talking about David O. Russell's films, I haven't seen The Fighter. I've seen The Fighter. Uh, did you like it? It's one of, my, one of the better of the, his films, yeah. in my opinion. Not that I've seen all of his films. American Hustle, I've seen once at the I cinema. I remember nothing about it. I almost had a... I think I probably actually preferred this to American Hustle. American Hustle, I'd, I feel like the whole film I spent thinking, great, but... Uh, what, I remember it, nothing about it. The joke it. that doesn't land with me. Um... Silver Linings Playbook, again, I've seen once. I remember I've only seen it once. I remember not minding it. I thought it was okay at the time, but I know now some people absolutely hate that film. Really? Really hate that film. Yeah. Some people love it. But because we've only seen this once, maybe that tells you something about David Russell films. Didn't see Joy because I heard it wasn't that great. No. I the one thing I really one of his films I want to go back to and watch is Three Kings, which is with George Clooney, Ice Cube, and um is it Spike Jones? Oh, Spike Jones. There, it's, it's set in the Gulf War, and it's like a gold heist um, during some uh, rebellion. And I think I saw it when I was a kid. Mark Wahlberg, that's who's in it. Right. Um, uh, and that's meant to be quite fun. But yeah, David Russell. There yeah. it is. There it is. There's Amsterdam. Let us know if you've seen it. Just speaking about Christian Bale in Amsterdam, who is good in Amsterdam, as we said. Yeah, he's great. And you, and I, you and I said that thing where like, he is good in everything. What, what, what is your favorite Christian Bale performance? Well, that's the thing. He's good in everything. I would say, I think, my recent favorite one of his is in Vice. Because I yeah, think he's okay. doing something really different to what he's ever done before. And it's so much more subtle and sinister. Yeah. And I actually think that performance, I think that film's very underrated. Mm. And then I'd say that he's really good in The Fighter. Right. Um, uh, did he get? Did yeah, he win? He, he won, won for that best sport. Yeah, he's excellent in that. I don't think the fighter is an amazing movie, but his he completely steals the show in that film. It's like this thin, like kind of wiry goon that that sort of walks behind by Mark Wahlberg's character. Um, so I'd say those two currently. I I, I only want to have seen that is a big hole in my Christian Bale. Uh, filmography is The Machinist, which I know right. is... I haven't seen that either. So that I haven't seen. The super skinny one. The one where he like famously looks really, really thin. And then I'd say my favourite Christian Bale film will be The Prestige, which he's yeah. also great in. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say those two, might, I think, are his best performances. But what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, was thinking, I think The Prestige is good, but it's more... I don't watch that film and think this is a Christian Bale film. Yeah. It, it, there's so many other great things happening I in agree. that. He is part of a, a rich tapestry. Absolutely. For me, uh, I think his best performance is... American Psycho, yeah. which I, when mentioning it, I'm always very reticent to because but talking about American Psycho, particularly when it's two guys like us, there's oh, this, I love yeah, there's this like Psycho. film bro reputation about every time you bring up American Psycho, you've got to be like, you're some sort of like indulging the lifestyle or you find it somehow glamorous yeah, it's, and, it's, and intoxicated. Yeah. Oh yeah, mate, isn't it fucking cool? Yeah, and he's so same, slick. Same as Wolf of Wall Street. That was right. meant to be a satire on how awful these people are, yeah. but people ended up loving right. and yeah. like lauding it for that behavior. But, um, yeah. You know, American Psycho is a really interesting... I think I have talked about this before, but apologies if I'm repeating myself, but it is a really interesting case where you have this 
you know, book written by Brett Easton Ellis um, in the early 90s, which was incredibly violent and explicit and was completely uh, caused this sort of moral panic where Simon and Schuster, the publishers, cancelled the book deal and those people rejected it. And everyone completely missed the point of the book, which is that is a satire, mm. that the violence in it is not is is explicit to the point of being satirical. Yeah. And if you actually read it, may not even be happening in the book. Yeah. There's a strong thing that is like, all of this is happening in Patrick Bateman's head. So then you get to make this film, which is then screenplays written by... Um, Guinevere Turner is written by a woman and directed by a woman, Mary Hannah. So you're taking it away from the sort of leering male violence that it's kind of set up to be. And you get Christian Bale in it. And Christian Bale, I think, does a really excellent distillation in that film of crystallizing the idea that it is all complete um, uh, nonsense and er everything is completely crazy. So crazy internal But monologue. also completely serious so his performance is grounded in that very serious yeah. way but also i actually think his music changed from yeah, the 1980s that whole scene with the cards you know the, the business oh, cards amazing is, he is it's completely serious to the point of like being a cartoon yeah. let's see a paul allen's card and then when he realizes that someone else has like a better card than him yeah. and he just like it's feels awesome. the embarrassment and the rage yeah. gosh look at that soft, some yeah. subtle off-white cards. yeah <laughs> is that chalk <laughs> and um the scene in which he basically goes on like a murderous rampage around New York is deliberately ridiculous. You know, he shoots a car with a pistol and it blows up and he like looks at the pistol ridiculously. Yeah. And he's like on the phone and he's sweating and he's like, he fucking did it, man. I fucking, and he's so crazy. And at the end when he like, um, he says like, uh, cause he's killed Paul Allen and, yeah. and he's like, uh, he wants to basically confess. He's got this violence within him. And the other guy's like, no, you, uh, Paul Allen's not dead. That's, he's like, it is possible. It's like, that's just not possible. Why, Why not, not, you stupid, stupid bastard? It's like, because I saw Paul Allen last like, week. Like and um, he he just contains within his entire like face and his whole performance, this idea that Patrick Bateman is completely hollow on the inside, yeah. is a nobody, but is also desperate and dying and crying out and suffering with the violence of 80s consumerism yeah. and is also like a, 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 a jackal-like madman. He just contains it so brilliantly. You watch his performance and you feel the two things you should do when you watch American Psycho, which is you feel like laughing and you also, feel, uncom and you also feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you remember um, two weeks ago, we just briefly talked about how Paul Dano's an amazing actor and he does his own little subtle variation of his own thing yeah. each time, but it's always great. I don't feel like I'm ever going to see Christian Bale do that performance again. Like that's only, yes. that's only American Psycho. Yes, and that absolutely. It's a truly individual, unique mm. performance from him. Yeah. Do you uh, know what I mean? No, I do. I, I've not seen him do that again. No, I, 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 I absolutely do know what you mean. I um, sorry. The point I just made, I want to go back to, is just that when when I said that uh, uh, what Christian Bale does well is that the whole point in the book is that Patrick Bateman gets confused for lots of other people and he looks like lots of other people. Right. Yeah. The whole point is that he, he he the reason why Patrick Bateman is is in a crisis and may or may not be murdering people or at least has murderous fantasies is that he's completely lost his sense of identity. Yeah, he's a sociopathic. Yeah. So uh, you, and you, that's why I think he does very well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. When you look at all of his performances, like there is a thread. You know, Christian else. Bale does his thing. He's but, rugged, kind of. Yeah. But he. We're mainly doing prestige when we do that. I know. The, the Langford double is the superior knot. Yeah. And then in like, I don't know, Thor recently or Exiles yeah. or he's he's always doing something 
different. He can do funny, like I said, with with, with Psycho, but he's always. That's why I thought Vice was good because he. I really lost Christian Bale in that role. Mm. I didn't see yeah. Christian Bale, yeah. which is what I know he put on so much weight for it. But that, I feel like that film and what what the monster that he becomes, which mm. is this like shadowy corporate silhouette yeah. in the corner of the Oval Office, and how brilliantly like they did to explain like how someone becomes that. Yeah, I just thought it was it was what he did that was just resting his face in glaring rather than making this big yeah. bombastic Christian Bale yeah. a thon out of it. Very different to an Amsterdam performance He's, I thought was more yeah. special. He has his ability to turn it up when it needs to and to bring it right down and know when to do less. And he's in complete uh, communication with the physicality of his performance, even if he's not doing a very good physical performance. So in Vice, a lot of that is prosthetic things. Like he didn't put on that much weight. He did put on a lot. Yeah, but he, a lot of that was prosthetic. Oh, okay, towards the end maybe when he was really fat. But like, he just lets the, the, the size of that communicate a lot without moving a lot yeah right? same way that you know uh, in ford v ferrari which isn't it's not a film i particularly love yeah but i thought his performance in that a little it's a little bit um almost in the wrong film it's a little bit jimmy hello mate you know yeah. i'm a bit british and literally <laughs> Dick the, Van Dyke. but he is again he's very thin in that he's he's, he's his whole uh physicality is so expressive it's well thought out he's a great actor man though is I, he good in terminator salvation I've not seen it. Because I have seen that on TV years ago. What about Reign of Fire? With dragons and and Matthew Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Reign of Fire came up, I want to say, like 10 weeks ago. Is it actually? Yeah. I think I brought it up for some reason. I I confused. Was it like Empire of the Sun with Reign of Fire? Well, Empire of the Sun, that was Christian Bale's film, right? That's what it was. Even as a 13-year-old kid, you watch him in that and like he's so precocious and so switched on. I've seen it. Oh, well, I I watched it last year for the first time and- it's a pretty good film. It tips over to being like over Spielberg at times, yeah. but it, it's good. Like, he is just so good at it. You're like, you know, when you watch young talent, you're like, you're going to go far, kid. Yeah. You'll, be, you'll be fine. And then uh, you obviously completely changed the game with The Dark Knight and Bruce mm. Bruce Wayne. And I think I think it wasn't... Um, no, I think I think this is Heath Ledger this anecdote was about. I think I think Christopher Nolan called up Heath Ledger a few times and said, would you do Joker? And Heath Ledger says, no offense, mate, but I never want to do something like this. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan was like, that's exactly what I want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> Can I please like read you my scripts? Do you know what I said about Chris, uh, Heath Ledger got a lot of his voice for Joker from Tom Waits? Yes, I've seen that video and Tom it's Waits amazing. Tom doing yeah. that. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you know it's right. funny when you, when you find that out. Yeah, yeah. If you, there's a really old interview you can watch um, and it's, it's, it's all the mannerisms. It's almost like the, uh, yes. you're, you're really, well, that's what I think. Um, <laughs> uh, very cool. Let us know what your favorite Christian Bale performance was uh, yes. on hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com and obviously your thoughts on Amsterdam. Um, great actor. Do these mini actor deep dives recently, aren't we? We just we just we, we, just we have a, a we, we do love a good performance. Yeah, we, we did we did we really went through Andrew Garfield a few weeks ago. Yeah, go check that out. We just, we went, just did it, completely unplanned. And I was like, we really do like this guy. <laughs> yeah, we were fair. Like we criticised him like where it needs to be, but overall we were like, he's a special yeah. actor we look out for. Yeah, totally. Okay, George, let's go through some of the emails that we got this week. As always, we love hearing from you. All your emails are amazing, and we always try to do our best to read out as many as we can on the show. Um, Ben wrote into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, just like you all can. And he said, hi, guys. Ben from Dundee again. Hello, Ben. How are you guys? Uh, we're well, yeah, thank nice. you. I hope you're well that too. was it. No, <laughs> uh, he says, I was wondering if you guys have any movies that you adore that are terrible to everyone else who watches them except you. Huh. I love 1998 Godzilla with Matthew Broderick Whoa. and Jean Reno. Wow. I met my girlfriend of, tw- of two years from a Tinder, Netflix and chill and I strongly <laughs> suggested Godzilla. I believe it's the reason we were still together now. Keep it up, guys. Big kiss. 
Godzilla. Well, I, I have a soft spot for the. I think I do. I really like Matthew Broderick. Um, is that is that the best modern Godzilla? No, I think 2014 probably. Is it? I thought I was miserable that film. It is really miserable. I don't think. You know what? I don't think any of them are that good. I would. If you asked me to try out 2014 or 98, I'd watch 98 Godzilla. I probably would do for how retro it is. I bet I, I, the I bet the CG of the, all the oh, mini yeah. Godzillas in the Robbery. in the Madison Square Garden look really rough now. I am. Um, uh, I remember that when that Godzilla came. Isn't this mad? I was four years old. I remember when that came out because the wow. you would get these Godzilla toys with uh, in cereal. And I and at first I got a tank but from the Godzilla film, but I wanted to have a Godzilla. And I remember having the Godzilla toy that came out of a cereal packet and playing with it. Isn't that, I, isn't that a huge testament to like cereal box advertising that you yeah. all these they years don't later... Do, they don't do toys in... I, do they not? They don't like, do toys in cereal. That's really sad. Not. But isn't that amazing no, no, that you it's, still it's remember that? It's rightly so, because it was just tricking people to buy sugary Oh, true. And, yeah, fair. fair. Um, I, I like Matthew Broderick. Well, the funny thing about Matthew Broderick is he's got... He's, Almost on like a career in reverse, and that he's gone from being super confident, yeah. charismatic screen presence to being this very sort of timid, quiet, polite man. Very few things. Yeah, he's like Ferris Bueller. He's like yeah, yeah. and now he's like hello, I'm Matthew Hello. Broderick. He's like a really like you? larger comedic presence, and now mm. it's very reserved. Yeah. Oh, answer the question though. Um, any films that are terrible that we like? Is that what he? What's the exact? He said films that you adore that are terrible to everyone else, and. Are terrible to everyone else who watch them except you. No, definitely have some. I've got one that isn't. Home Alone Three. I love Home. Home really? Alone Three is the best Home Alone. Huh. I I, I don't expect anyone else to agree. I've, I don't expect anyone else to agree. Mostly because people haven't seen it. Yeah. But Home Alone Three. I prefer it to the Macaulay Culkin ones. I I said it before. Anchorman Two. I like yeah, Anchorman, yeah. Two. Anchorman Two. I've got another one which I haven't talked about before, but I don't know if this is hated by people. But I I always stand by the perks of being a wallflower. Oh yeah, I've seen it once. Right, I, I, okay. I've returned to that film. But I, I think if that film came out five years later, because that film has a lot to say about like uh, mental health and trauma, like yeah. in the third act, that came out f- at least five years later with the conversation around mental health, uh, h- how much it had progressed, I think people would have thought about that film completely differently. Yeah. And Logan Lerman does a really, really good performance in that. Yeah. And I really wish he'd gone on to do more things. I wish I remembered it more. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, I think people were really, really harsh on Emma Watson on it at the time. Yeah. And it's uh, a yeah, fun, great that. soundtrack. Um, so I think that, I, I, I stand by that, actually. I can't think oh, of any, but everyone has, has, has I think I have told you this. There's a bit in it where, <laughs> I have told you this story, so I'm going to say it again, where uh, it's in the third act, you know, he's, he's having a lot of trouble and he calls his sister. She's at this, like, house party and she's like, it's in the 90s, remember? She picks yeah, up the yeah. phone and she's like, What's up, Charlie? Okay, stay where you are. She says to somebody else at the party, call the police. I'm like, it's the 90s. You have the phone. Yeah. It's a landline. No one has mobiles yet. That is good. Um, yeah, I definitely have some. I'm being really shit and I can't remember. There's just like random ones that like I watched as a kid that I'm like, I love because I have watched it as a yeah, kid sure. and therefore I have a connection to it. Uh, he also says big kiss. So thank you, Ben. Um, thank you for the big kiss. This one's from Jack who writes into the show. Hey. says, hi guys, such a big fan of your podcast. It's always a comfort to sit and watch you both discuss film. I won't lie. I'm so over the endless tsunami of remakes, yeah. sequels, prequels i just want original stuff at this point Absolutely. it comes across to me anyway as lazy and without any creative attention when the majority of announcements are tethered too strongly to other films and characters etc thank goodness for pixar giving us some new stuff recently luca is one of my favorite pixar films now regarding streaming services i bloody love movie in all caps <laughs> oh right i yeah. find that whatever i put on is unlike anything i've seen not just from other streaming services but in general full stop netflix unfortunately appears to be going down the path of easy watches mm. which of course 
there is a market for, but I personally find myself coming out of many Netflix films very underwhelmed. We've kind of talked about this for a while, haven't we? Movie showcases films that have such originality to them, and some of my favorite films I've accessed through movies, such as Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Black Tower, mm -hmm. Holy Motors. What a ramble that was. I'd love to hear your thoughts <laughs> on any of it. All the best, Jack. So maybe, Picking up on a few things we've been saying, yeah, haven't we? Um, first of all, I agree with you saying about Netflix. Netflix is becoming sort of a mixture of Channel 5 daytime TV movies and Hallmark um, rom-coms. And Love Island remakes. Not that that's yeah, in the same category, it, it's, but still. It's, yeah, Netflix, I feel like for at least two to three years in my mind, it's, it's the, the, the Netflix N that yeah. like is a stamp yeah. that means now actually means it's chances are it's not something I want I to watch. It's crossed over. And I think they've gone like, yes, let, let's make, what did he say here? It was easy watches. Yeah. What's the easiest thing to put on the after most broad, work? The broadest thing possible. Like really uh, engaging trickle feed documentary about a serial killer. It's like just anything yeah. engaging that reveals you a story. And I think that the quality coming from them is really bad. But that, that being said, they do usually have a couple of things that are going into the Oscars The award season ones are interesting to watch. Yes. Yeah, but, but that's few and far between. I can't wait for two months every year when they put out I their know. prestige content. But, like, it, but it just seems to be like, we'll just make a little bit of everything for everyone. Yes. We just need to get people watching our service. It's a little bit of everything all but the I just, time. Yeah, the, the, uh, the quality has become very diluted amongst a load of shit. Talking about Mubi, uh, yeah, this is, an, an, is not an ad, but I, I do really like Mubi as well. I don't have it, but I used it uh, during lockdown, actually. When yeah, I, I remember time. you saying. Watched some great stuff on there. Really stuff outside of your main channel of, of, of a feed of films. Like I watched Baccarat and, and Hoop Dreams and I, I, re I really enjoyed having it. And um, uh, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think if people, uh, I, think if, I think if people are struggling to find new films that, and they're, they're a burgeoning film person, they haven't tried Mubi yet, I think I think check it out. And yeah. they've changed it. It used to be, when I used it, even only two years ago, Mubi had only like 15 films on per month and they would slowly uh, change the roster. See. A bit like a cinema, right? Yeah. Maybe and now it's much more like there's loads of things showing that oh, that's you can cool. just go and dip into. Nice. This next one is from Finn. Hello again, Pop Kitchen. Finn hey. here. Once again, writing from Hull slash Ull. Ull, right. Uh, this time referring to episode 42, wherein you discuss the potential best picture nominees for the upcoming 2023 Oscars. You oh, can yeah. go and check out that episode if you fancy it. Um, it was very interesting to hear thoughts on these potential nominees, but I have my thoughts I would like to share as well. Since Parasite's best picture win in 2020, the Academy appeared to have nominated one foreign language film for best picture in the subsequent years, mm. Minari in 2021 and Drive My Car in 2022. Mm. Something the article you read lacked was a foreign language best picture prediction. Absolutely. Right, Personally, yeah. I would replace The Woman King with Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Mm. And if not decision to leave, then my second guess would be White Noise, which reunites Adam Driver with his Mary Story director, Noah Baumbach. Yeah. However, that isn't what my question really relates to. I'm asking about the overall quality of the Oscars as a show. Some of my most recent Academy Awards ceremonies have been the lowest rated, some of the most recent Academy Awards ceremonies have been the lowest rated ever. My question is, what do you think is the best way the Academy could try to improve the quality of their show and increase ratings? Whether that's by means of hiring better hosts, increasing security to prevent onstage slapping, <laughs> or nominating more accessible slash well-known movies. Once again, sorry for the email length. I, pro I promise to make them more concise in the future. Keep the amazing work i'm absolutely loving the show all the best finn so the first one Thanks, about finn. the uh, adam driver and marriage story director noam Baumbach reuniting for white noise yeah we we we, we were going to talk about that but we just it was we didn't have enough time but yeah yeah i'm excited that's based on a don delilo book don delilo um american author has written lots of 
big, you know, all interesting themed books, slightly um, sci-fi futuristic, uh, not sorry, futuristic, but like, um, you know, future thinking uh, things. Uh, like Great co- suggestion, cos- we cos- agree. Do you remember they did that from Cosmopolis? That, yes. With, uh, uh, it Patterson. was based on the book by Tom Zweig. Um, uh, looking forward to that. I love Adam Driver. I love Noah Baumbach. Can't wait. Uh, in regard to the English, um, non-English language films, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. I, 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 I'm always open to, and love to watch uh, that's more. one of the good things about the Oscars it yeah. probably shows you something you otherwise wouldn't have watched um, or, or had it been advertised would, yeah. to me I think which is quite good sometimes I'm like oh that, that film that was not in English was never advertised to me and I'm glad it uh, yeah I, 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 I love when they push that stuff through I, I, um, I, it's a shame the article that we were pulling from didn't, didn't say that but I, I guess it's just the way it is um, and then Oscars ratings yeah, going down okay. this is the thing I have always never understood why they try and pitch and show the oscars as a show as a piece of entertainment that you sit down and watch because right. every year they're like oh the oscars rating was was down and i'm like yeah because it's like six hours long yeah. it's like a sports event and it, it, it feels like this very cynical uh move by t american television american advertising and hollywood to be like let's just bring everyone together for the super bowl of the film industry yeah and i'm like no it, it, that, I, I don't know why anyone would want to sit and watch that through the night okay no. it's just and, boring and i've never however watched it in the uk the, you'd have to stay up all night to exactly, watch it however good the films are however good, it just sounds tedious what it should be like is like they do, how they do the baftas which is they have the whole ceremony and they record it and then they cut it down to two hours which yeah. you then watch in the evening and i i um i've or i usually watch the baftas i don't usually sit and watch the oscars regardless of the time difference because yeah. And the, the BAFTAs I've enjoyed as a show with, you know, good bits of, you know, lines here and there. So the Oscars, it's, it's nothing to do with, oh, do they need to get, you know, better security or, or better hosts? It's flawed. Don't show six hours of people receiving awards. And it's a lot of sitting and clapping and waiting. Uh, I would say the, the more broader reason is that uh, the, 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 the prestige of Hollywood mm. is not only becoming less relevant because of the internet yeah. and the eyes and the attention literally is elsewhere. I spoke about this the other day, but I think attention and time is being taken up less by what we yeah. have on TV or what we can go and see in the film, but like what is just going to engage us immediately on our smartphone. I also think that the Academy and what Hollywood represents has yeah. had a very bad run yeah. of w- what I think the pr- most prestigious award in, in entertainment means now. And I think it's been tainted. It's only a few mm. years ago that we had the likes of Harvey Weinstein yeah, and just yeah. all these people being celebrated and all these people we now say I just don't think the image is tainted I also think Will Smith slap like proves just like what what who are these people it just that like we, pulled that we, down the whole veneer that we just absolutely adore every year I also think the idea of um like dresses and who's wearing what and turning up is becoming tired as I yeah. think like the e online entertainment weekly MTV cycle and style of news yeah. has become slightly antiquated that used to really fuel yeah. and like inject the Oscars with like an entire different category yeah. and I think that's become almost parad- like the Met Gala mm. it's almost like that effect yeah and I feel like culture moves so much faster it's, it's increasingly yeah. becoming quite like an old fashioned institution I think yeah. it just comes quite tired we've also gone into a very cynical trap which is that a lot of years now before the oscars has even happened you basically know it's going to win sure and you're increasingly aware that it's just a like you you, you bet on the the you can tell which horse is going to win the race another thing i've just remembered which i didn't say at the end of that roundup when we talked about all the films that are going to win next yeah. year or could win next year is that if you're going to go and watch these films and it's very exciting heading into award season i'm going to say to you this it is okay 
if you go to watch a film that has got critical acclaim written all over it, it's being talked about as being the Oscar film. Yeah. And you don't like it. Oh, and yeah. I say this because there have been so many times when I've gone to see the hot film that everyone's talking about that week. Oh my God, it could win. I mean, this is going to be amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And you go watch it and you don't quite click with it. Yeah. And you feel so strange. You feel like you're an idiot. You're not you wrong. Like, Have I missed something? Do yeah. I need to see it Do I not it understand again? it? And it's like, the chances are, no, probably not. The chances are in six months time, everyone will have come down from that high. Yeah. No one will talk about that film anymore. Like the artist. Actually, right. Like, like the artist. <laughs> I, I mean- um, so I'm just saying to film lovers out there, don't despair if you go and see everything. Be confident and, and, and say, actually, I didn't like it. I, I'm sometimes very suspicious of, who pe- of friends or people I know who, who go and see these every single critically acclaimed Oscar After films. They've been they, announced they go, as they're nominated. Yeah, they go, oh, it's just wonderful. It's just absolutely amazing. Or like, like Darkest Hour. You know, things right, like yeah, that. yeah. I was just sublime. Like, I don't believe that it is. Yeah. I believe that they, for um, uh, film industrial purposes, they have decided that this is the film they want to bet on this year. Winston Churchill's so hot right now. Yeah, so they're going to pump <laughs> all this money behind He's it. not anymore. No, um, <laughs> Um, so just remember that if you if it doesn't click for you first time or doesn't work for you, yeah. don't despair. Always say how you really feel. Never try to just Trust like, your gut. assume that everyone else is going to love it. Thanks, Finn, for writing in. Um, this one is from Haiku Dave from Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, Canada. Hi, Dave. Hey. Hello, gents. I hope today is finding you well. George, does today find you? I think well? it finds me okay. Yeah. yeah, it's been a nice day. It's sunny but cold. Colder. Autumn. Autumn. Fall. I just finished episode 41 and there was a listener who talked about teens and cinema. Do you yes. remember that conversation, yeah, George? I, I agree that those who are looking for it will find it, but I wonder how many that comes to. Haiku Dave. <laughs> Wisdom. <laughs> I believe, <laughs> I agree that those who are looking for it will find yeah. it. I've talked to a few younger co-workers about music or movies and the one line I've heard a few times is, that came out before I was born. Why would I care about that? Mm. My response has been, it came out before I was born, but I still discovered it. Not that this is the majority. <laughs> Dave, you just, yeah. I just feel like you're like a sensei yeah. floating. <laughs> Can I ask you, can I just send you an email about my life? Um, Not that this is the majority, but I found that to be a faulty way of thinking. Do they use electricity? Do they wear (laughs) modern clothing? Enough about that, enough. I'm sorry, enough about that though. Not everybody has to be into everything. Just be open to discovering new things, Absolutely. please. The other thing I wanted to mention was about Nope. One takeaway I find myself with is looking at the clouds and if one sticks out, wonder what's really going on. Thanks for your efforts. Cheers and all the best. Haiku Dave from Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah, so about people... Not what don't engage with stuff that was made before they were born. I, I, I've always thought that uh, a success of a good education system is not telling someone something that they should know yeah. it's inspiring cu- i'm seeing like how you do it's about yeah. inspiring curiosity so that someone is interested to go seek something out for yeah. themselves they, they, right it's like starting their own motor to let them to teach a man to fish yeah and he'll it's never like go it's hungry. like you, you I, I will one day sit my kid down and be like this is spielberg you've got to watch this yeah, film yeah. but i hope that doing that i don't want to just force them to watch loads of other films hopefully they go wow i would love to see a film similar to that or what else is out there that's what i think you want to do so yeah. Hopefully people have got their curiosities peaked. And on for, as for Nope with the clouds, I don't look out for Nope clouds. I always try to see if there's like a a, a Pixar cloud from Andy's room in Toy Story yeah. anywhere. The perfect like yeah. flat bottom the perf- dome. Yeah. Three. yeah, yeah. Um, Hi, Q, Dave, thank you. Keep- sorry, that reminds me, there's a really good joke in the American office where they're, they're doing a stakeout. They're, they're spying from this other um, store. And, um, you know, it's Dwight and Michael. And Michael hasn't got really anything interesting to say. He goes, oh, it's, um, oh, it's cloudy. You know, it means, means people in my rain and people might go inside. And Dwight goes, uh, yeah, if that was cumulostratus, that's low-lying nimbus. No, you're clouds, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. My one of that is uh, if I'm being followed alone on a road, not being followed, if someone is walking behind me, 
on a road. It follows. It follows yeah. every single time. Uh, this one's from Kai, spelled C-A-I. I assume that's yeah, how Kai. I say it. Kai. Hi, guys. I love the podcast. I first saw you on... Oh, you know the rest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, like, I love that like, our fans have become like, it's like the jaded by that. Like, I almost want people to start lying about how they found us just for it to yeah, be the most outlandish yeah. A carrier pigeon dropped me a note from you. Yeah. Uh, an infomercial on a, on a Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. uh, hi, guys. Uh, anyway, my question is this. Are there any films you hated the first time you saw them, but have then grown to like or even love? For me, it was Nicholas Riog's Don't Look Now. Rogue. R- Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now, which I saw mm-hmm. for the first time in a 9 a.m. film studies lecture during my first year of uni alongside wow. a hungrily hundred alongside a hundred equally disinterested students. I then had to watch it again for a third year English model where it quickly became one of my favorite films. Turns out how you watch a film can have a huge impact on how you enjoy it. Who would have thought? Thanks guys. Keep up the great content. Kai. Thank you Kai. Uh, see previous discussion about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from oh, yes. episode 30 I think which I basically the exact same experience to you. Don't look now. Have you seen Don't Look Now? No. Really, really interesting film. Fantastic opening. Um, I also think I need to rewatch that. I watched that when I was about 17. And I was like, I don't really get it. I need to be better at reading the questions before we go on and then having an answer. Because all the time I'm like, there's definitely one, but I can't think of it. Um, oh, well. Okay, well, it'll, it'll come back to you. But yeah, don't look now. Out. Good one. To, I might watch that before Halloween, actually. Oh, nice. It's creepy. It's eerie. Thank you for your question, Kai. This one's from Charlie. Hi, fellas. In the space of just a few months, you have become my favorite podcast in the world. Whoa, I've listened to quite a world? few other film podcasts, and I can safely say no others come close to Pop Get Kitchen. It, suck Keep it, up Kermos. the amazing work. <laughs> I can't wait for this pod to really blow up. Blow up. Neither can we. <laughs> uh, here's my Anytime question. Please now. tell your friends about Pop Kitchen. Like, go give the Instagram some love. Subscribe. Thank like, you. if you're listening, go press the star and give us five stars. Here's my question. What are some critically acclaimed films that are held in high regard by your typical cinema lover that you never really seem to love yourself? For me, it's No Country for Old Men. I've rewatched it a few times and just never really fell in love with it. The ending drove me absolutely crazy. Interested to hear your takes. Thanks, Charlie. Um, Hard disagree on No Country for Old Men. Sorry, I disagree on No Country. Yeah, the ending I think is really good. And... uh, I really, I really like that film. What's the? I'm so sorry. The email's name. Uh, this is Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. I, 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 um, I respectfully so disagree, funny. but um, I understand that film is not for everyone. Um, the thing is about films that are critical. We've had this kind of question before. Yeah, and we don't really like to be too negative. And I've said like Fight Club doesn't really click with me. Yeah, and, but I, I, yeah, we kind of touched upon I, it. I don't really, I don't really. I don't have one off the top of my head and I don't, I'm not, I don't really want to We don't want to do a whole out. list of films that like we don't like. Yeah. It's exactly. too easy. And there's always something in there. So sorry to, to hear you don't like No Country for Old Men. This one's from Jev from Bromley. Hey guys, huge fan of the pod and have literally been spreading the news about you to everyone That's I know. That's the spirit, Keep Jeff. up the good, good work. That's man. it. Doctrinate everyone. <laughs> uh, so I recently went to a live film podcast. Mo- won't mention oh, yeah. the name because we don't want to advertise it. Like That's him writing that, not me yes. saying that. Uh, and it was really enjoyable. But throughout the whole time I was there, I was just thinking about how I could be having a better time if it was you two on stage. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Oh, so my question is, when are you two going to organize a live podcast? Because Christ, that'd be amazing. Jeb from Bromley. That's very sweet. One day. when we- I'd love to one day. I feel like if we did, no one would, no, no one would come. come. We haven't got the resource to probably pull that off. I, I think that we right now have a small but really engaged and like active fan base, which we really, which we which really I appreciate. love. Community, not even fans, community. for the, for the amount of, of the community. Like for, for the for the numbers we get on our episodes, which I'm not I'm not bad about. Our engagement with our audience is way higher than it should be, and we and we, and we, we really appreciate that. And I think that's so amazing. Go away. 
in an ideal world, I'd love to organise world tour, <laughs> Madison Square Gardens, Pulp Kitchen Live, Las Vegas um, Redis- residency, <laughs> residency. Just keep keep subscribing, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. get there. But We're in talks. A great talks. idea. One day, mate. One uh, day. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing plan. But thank you for your support. That's really kind. This one's from Max. Hey guys, hey. I hope you're both well. I'm a long-time listener and first-time emailer from Liverpool. Thank all you right. for writing in. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I must say that not only am I a fan of your podcast, but your style of podcasting, i.e. Ooh. music, editing, etc. I regularly listen to your podcast while I'm cooking. Love that. Thank I find you. it very therapeutic to listen to your reviews. It smells and good when you're cooking. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, very therapeutic to listen to your reviews and hear any updates in the film and television world. Thank you. Right. Uh, I have two things I wanted to ask you. The first being from an episode you made about films under 90 minutes. Yes. And I believe one of you spoke about the film in my opinion, Ray Winston's classic Sexy Beast. Yes, that's one of yours. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, one of you hadn't seen seen it me and I would definitely recommend watching it for its intense character building dialogue and even in the dramatic parts having some of the best British one-liners I think I've seen in modern English films I had some uh two clips sent to me on TikTok of that film yeah and I was like oh it's like it's like great scene and I was like no no I was in I saw like three seconds yeah yeah it's Ben Kingsley probably it's fantastic yeah Yeah. Yeah. really good film racing back to the cooking part my question to you is when you think of food and drink in the world of cinema where does your mind instantly go for me it's a mixture of either Ratatouille showing off food as a work of art and passion to something like the Johnny Depp film Chocolat for its depth of cuisine as a form of passion keep doing what you guys are doing I absolutely love the show and cannot wait to see and hear what you guys talk about next kind regards Max like Chocolat was on hard repeat when I was a kid with my mum just watching it i yeah. used to feel like I, I knew every single beat of that film do you want to know what um food scene came to mind recently i was discussing it with a friend is do you remember in spy kids when they were in the pod and they had the packet that turned into a mcdonald's meal no. do you remember no. it was like spy kids they go into this like underwater pod and there's no food and they realize they've got these packets of food and they take one put it in this like fake microwave yeah. beep 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 and then Puff, uh-huh. and it's like a McDonald's large meal. Uh-huh. And we were just talking about how like amazingly that captures the imagination of like a kid fantasy film like Spy Kids. I can't, uh, I was just trying to think as you were reading out the email if I have one. The only thing that came to my head was, do you remember Spirited Away? Uh, I've seen it so long ago. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I remember that at the beginning they have, they, they st- her and her parents, they stumble across that like amazing feast. Yes. And, and it's like yeah, it yeah, yeah. all the wonderful, and her, her parents just like, dig into it and you're like oh wow and then they they slowly turn into pigs yes and she's like horrified and it's just there's something like i don't remember what i was like uh, maybe i was a fucking fat kid who loved uh, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah i remember looking at it being like oh it's like nice for a bit of rice a bit of noodles there yeah. chicken oh good question max thank you there you go max thank you very much and thank you to everyone else who wrote into the show don't forget if you want to send us a question you can do by emailing hello at, at popkitchenpodcast.com there you go i was just trying to do it in sync i love that yeah <laughs> keep sending in your um reviews of house of the dragon and game of thrones we've already got a few in and they're sounding great and we'll do a big season one roundup so get those sent in and we'll uh, do a big review of the show thank you very much so james uh let's end the show as we normally do with another game mm-hmm. and look people love it it's back again let's do the film opposites all right many people have seen this on tiktok you can catch it there again. Let's do another round. My turn to give some to you. I've gone through and I've tried to make them a little bit uh, tricky. Tricky? Okay. I hope so, at least. All right. Okay. This is Film Opposites, James. Okay. So, James. Yes. Guess the film based on its opposite film title. Okay. okay? In three, two, one. The Weakness of the Cat. The Strength of the Dog. The, the, the Power the, of the Dog. Yes. Yes, Space to Live. No. 
No. Yes, space. No, to time live. to die. Yes. Village of Devil. City of Angels. Mm. No, t- uh, close. C- City of Angel. What? City C- of God. City- oh, shit. Death is Ugly. Life is Beautiful. Sunrise Street. Uh, sunset Kingdom. Sunset, what? Boulevard. Yes. <laughs> Bottom Knife. Uh, top Gun. <laughs> Fleeting Rain of the Blemished Body. What? <laughs> Fleeting Rain sun. of the Blemished Body. Of the Perfect... I don't know. I've got Eternal it. Eternal sunshine oh, of the spotless that's mind. One. That's a good one. Cold, hot, warm, burnt, uh, heat. Ah. New York public. Um, L.A. Confidential. Yes. <laughs> Uprise. Downfall. Yes. An ugly body. A beautiful mind. Drop me if you can't. Catch me if you can. <laughs> Off the inland. Out in on the. On the waterfront. Yes. Oh. Out of the civilization. Into the... Okay, uh, out, into wild, into the wild. And the last one, the last one, the useless. The the, the useless, the, the practical. The help. The help. It's a, it's oh, a okay, okay. Oh, yeah, well, well done. Good, those yeah. were a challenge. I enjoyed them. Oh, I'm personally happy with my you. My palms are so sweaty. You're telling me you didn't get fleeting rain of the blemished body? <laughs> what does I was like, break it down. What's the opposite of fleeting? Eternal. I know, but like, that's not a salt and pepper, is it? <laughs> People are going to hate this. I know. Well, well I enjoyed it, guys. I enjoyed that. that. My, my hands are so sweaty. I'm literally rubbing them on my face. Do you know what I've noticed as well? Some of the videos, when I give them to you, I'm almost disappointed when you don't get them. And I'm yeah. like, no, James, you idiot. No, come on. Fleeting blemish or whatever it was. Um, oh. Well, there you go, guys. That was our game. Thank you uh, very I hope much. You enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We as ever really appreciated you guys listening. Mm-hmm. See us out, James. Go on. Don't forget that we post new episodes of Pop Kitchen every single Wednesday, and we have reviews out on the channel yep. most weeks, as well as lots of clips and nice little bits on bits Instagram and, and TikTok. Who knows? Maybe we'll go to another premiere. Who knows? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, Invite us, please. <laughs> Like, subscribe, and follow, and recommend us to your friends. We Please do. want to grow our numbers and grow our following. How often audience. does someone say, "Has anyone got a good podcast recommendation?" All the time. Yeah, and you, you before you even finish that sentence, pop you're kitchen. Shove pop kitchen in their throat. Pop kitchen. There you go. Down. There Is it go. about food? Barely. Barely. Is it about films? <laughs> a lot of the a time. Lot of time. Um, and uh, give us a five star and everything on. Spotify and hell, maybe even write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's do one something of those. you could do. That'd be, nice that'd be really appreciated. Yeah. Um, other than that, we'll see you next week, all right? See you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers.